And welcome back. Special edition of the uh, bloody big breaking news here in Toronto. Kristen Hennage joins us from the UK. Uh, he's been uh, reporting on this, talking about this, knowing about this for a while, uh, Kristen, right? Uh, so uh, we thought we'd bring you on, have a little chat about it. Uh, t- tell us what you know about how this uh, deal transpired from uh, the Sunderland perspective. Well, from what I can, from what I've been told, what I've been informed of is that um, it was Sunderland that instigated this this deal. They obviously were keen to, to move Josie on. I think they gave it one last chance in the summer. The French side Lille came in um, and made an offer, but that was rebuff uh, rebuff from the club. Um, I think they didn't really want to let any more players go because there was a fairly heavy turnaround in the summer anyway, and they wanted to give Josie one more chance because he's still a fairly young player. Um, unfortunately, it hasn't worked out for him in the months that followed, and so I think they decided around November-ish time that things had come to a head and it was probably best to, to let him seek pastures new. And that was when, when they approached Toronto when they found out that, that Toronto would have a fairly strong interest in bringing him home to MLS. In terms of the other side of this, Jermaine Defoe uh, going there, from your perspective, having that ability to have a swap involved in this, is, is that a big thing that, that would have uh, interest Sunderland? Definitely. Um, I think... They at first were, were maybe keen just to try and get him gone for, for some cash and for some money because I think they need that at the minute. Um, it would have been great to have some capital to play with in, in the January transfer window. But unfortunately, I think you know when you look at Josie's record, it's not very good. And because of that, there's not a huge amount of suitors out there who are willing to pay a significant fee. So if you can engineer a deal as they have done with Toronto where you get Jermaine Defoe, who has proven Premier League experience and a goals record to match, it's the best deal that's there for you. It might not be a bloody big deal, um, <laughs> but it's it's the best one you're going to take. If we're looking on the pitch, is Josie Altador and Defoe really interchangeable? Are they players that will help the situation of both club or maybe continue to hinder both club? I think that's a brilliant question. And I think, in, in all honesty, I have genuine concerns about how Jermaine Defoe fits into this situation because... For me, he's always been a striker that's relied on some kind of service in the Premier League. And if I look at Josie's career, certainly he didn't help his situation all the time. I think technically he, he had some issues. But also he was bereft of service for large portions of his Sunderland career. And for me, that's a, a, an issue that Jermaine is going to have to overcome when he comes back to England. Um, I think if there's any sense in that dugout in, in Gus Poyer's head, he's going to want to put four four two up there. And he's either going to put Fletcher up there or he's going to put Wickham up there and allow Jermaine to sort of float in and around that final third and in the penalty box, around the penalty box, and give him the kind of chances that we've seen in Thrive on. If we're looking more of a MLS side and Josie Altador coming in now with Toronto, is his type of play more fitting to the type of a little bit more physical, maybe more hold-up type of play than it was in England? I certainly see what you mean. I think, I think Josie's been sort of wrongly categorized as this bustling target man. I don't think he's necessarily that way inclined in his style of play. If you watch him at RZ, he was actually a lot more gifted and wanted to run with the ball, actually. wanted to use his speed rather than his strength in those situations. And I think I look at that squad now and I see Michael Bradley there standing out for me in the the middle of midfield. I think if you place Michael Bradley in a position similar to the one that Adam Mayer found himself in at RZ where he was consistently looking for Josie, um, something Gertin Verbeek said when Josie joined RZ was that tactically he was very naive. He didn't really know what he was doing, were his exact words. And I think you've seen a lot of growth from Josie in that element of his his makeup. 
And I think if you get a player like Michael who's got that brilliant technique and you can find those passes and, and put it in the right areas of the pitch, then you can certainly build a goal-scoring rhythm with him and Josie. Um, it's just getting Michael that freedom in the final third in positions where he can, can find Josie in, in space. Uh, Kristen, how much do you think that, that, that Michael Bradley's influence had on this transfer? Uh, I think he's had a significant one. In fact, I know he's had a significant one. I, I, from what I understand, he's, he's very much driving the ship there. Um, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a year to the day that the deal that saw him and Jermaine move to Toronto occurred. And I think certainly moving forward with this franchise, he's a, a significant part of the makeup of it and is very much dictating the way things play. I mean, certainly, you know, I don't think Greg Vanny is going to be disappointed to gain Josie Altidore. Um, for all his troubles at Sunderland, he's still a U.S. international. He's still someone with a lot of potential who we've seen thrive in MLS, who we've seen thrive in the air division. So it's it's not a terrible pickup. Um, for me, though, I think yeah, Michael's having a, a good say on this, and and I think if I'm a Toronto fan, I'm pleased with that because it shows that he cares. And I think from what I've read of, of fans of Toronto, one of their biggest gripes with Jermaine was that he didn't care, and it seemed as if he was desperate to to leave a city that made a really big play for him and tried to make him feel special. And so to know that your other DP, or sorry, one of your other DPs, is is the antithesis of that and is trying to do everything to get you that MLS Cup and to get you into those playoffs, that's a, a wonderful sign for the future of the club. You mentioned they're both U.S. international, Bradley and uh, Altador. Do you think that now with those two players in Toronto will finally change the mind of Jurgen's Klinsman as in Toronto being maybe good for the U.S. men's national team? <laughs> I think Jurgen's very set in his ways in that sense. I think he, he, he knows what he wants. Um, I'm not necessarily sure if I agree with Jurgen in, in that sense because to me sitting on the bench in, in Europe isn't going to make you any better. <laughs> Playing is going to make you better. Um, or at least keep you at the level that you're at at the minute and keep you at the level where you're scoring a hat-trick against Bosnia and scoring against, albeit a, an understrength German team at RFK. And so for me, you can certainly deride MLS as, as being a lesser standard than Europe. I don't think anyone here on this call would disagree with that. But for me, it's about playing. Um, and in Josie's case, he hasn't been playing. It's not just that he hasn't been scoring, he hasn't been playing. And He's an important phrase of his career now. I think there's not many strikers. You look at that pool from a U.S. perspective. There's not many strikers who are looking to lead that line. Chris Wondolowski's getting older. Aaron Johansson hasn't quite developed into that player yet. I don't think he's ever going to be a lead the line type striker personally. And so Josie is very much a, you know, the single stallion in the field in that sense. And so you have to really focus on what's best for his career. And, and for me, moving to Toronto or moving to MLS more vaguely is. is is what's best for his career right now. Uh, you, you've watched him uh, for, for closely for a while now, Josie, that is. Um, although he has obviously struggled in terms of his production uh, to get playing time and so forth, did, from your perspective, is he a better player now than he was when he left MLS? Oh, without question. Um, as I said there before, with, in relation to the RZ Altmar story with Gertrude Verbeek, he's mentally sharper. Uh, I think he has a better understanding of the game and how the the game moves around him and the players move around him. I think certainly you're going to have to do some rehabbing with his confidence. He's going to need to, to be made to feel special again. Um, I think that he's going to need some service and there may be some awkward moments in those first few games after opening kickoff. But for me, you're getting a player that's a lot more developed than the one at, at New York Red Bulls. Um, and I think it would be a little bit reductionist to say that 
just because he's had a poor period at Sunderland that he's he's some kind of lost cause or that Toronto is getting the stiff end of the deal here. I honestly think, personally, that Toronto have done fantastically because at one point both clubs wanted the same thing. Both clubs wanted their player to go and receive cash. Um, and it seems that Sunderland have cracked. I think that's an indication of their situation, how desperate they feel it is. And so for me, I think Toronto have won all ends up on this one. And uh, one final question. Uh, what what league will uh, Jermaine Defoe be playing in next year? <sighs> Last year was the great escape. That was the DVD that the club released uh, when Gus Poy took them out. I think they're going to have to do something special again at the minute because they're not bottom of the league, but they've got the fewest wins in the Premier League. And for me, that says a lot. Um, they've got the most draws as well. And maybe Jermaine pushes them over the line on a few games and gets them those wins. I think they'll stay up, though, just. They, they do have a knack for just staying up, don't they? They do. They're, black Cats have, have more than one life, as, as I think we know, and, and Sunlander have traded a few of theirs in in recent times. Fair enough. Kristen, it, it was late uh, late over there, so we do appreciate your time. We'll, we'll let you get back to it now, and uh, hopefully we can have a talk later on uh, soon. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks for listening to the Two Solitude Soccer Podcast on Stitcher Radio with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramay. Subscribe to the show on Stitcher Radio. Listen to the show on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher Radio, Stitcher Radio. Would you just please subscribe to the show on Stitcher Radio? Thank you very much for subscribing to the show. And now, back to the show on Stitcher Radio. Coming soon on Stitcher Radio. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, thanks, Kristen, for joining us there. Um, look, the financials on this, well, let's start there, Kevin, real quickly. Uh, the financials, as we had them explained to us, as are as such, and there's a lot of numbers getting thrown around out there. Uh, no one will ever exactly know, but what we think it is is uh, 10 million uh, is the figure, 10 million pounds, I believe. And again, we don't know what currency we're talking about. That's the, the problem when you're dealing with an MLS transfer is you don't know whether you're talking USD or you're talking uh, quid. Um, would that explain the 14 million? If it's 10 pound, 10 uh, English pounds, that would probably be close to 14 million? Yeah, that, that might be the, the difference right there. If you're talking uh, 10 million uh, US dollars, is about 14 million uh, pounds. So yeah. maybe uh, the tabloids were mixing the, the, the currency up. But at any rate, um, it's 10 million, but it's also what we're understanding is it's minus whatever Josie Altidar has been valued at. But we're still talking about a significant amount of change going to Toronto, something in the, the terms of four or five million, whatever the, the valuation is on Altidore. Well, going to MLS and about 1.5 million will go to Toronto. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the way it works, Allocation. It, it's complicated because, you know, uh, part of the of uh, the the league uh, fees went to buying uh, these two guys last year, so they'll maybe have to give a little bit more back. Uh, it's a DP signing. There's a lot of complications in it, but generally speaking, in the past, uh, the MLS teams get somewhere between two thirds and, and uh, three quarters of the allocate oh. of the fee, um, of which they cap it, and I believe it's five hundred thousand dollars is capped on what they get on allocation, which can be used uh, to to buy players, uh, just like okay. any allocation would be, and the yep. rest of it. Um, this is the part that always uh, trips people up. The rest of it is put essentially um, – it's held in trust uh, until the club gets a league-approved deal to 
to um, improve their quote unquote soccer related infrastructure. So um, okay. the experience Toronto fans will have is the Marisa Du sale, which was five million dollars. Um, uh, what happened in that case is Toronto got a chunk of allocation that it proceeded to blow for no good reason for the next couple of years. <laughs> and uh, as we all know now, <laughs> hindsight and all. Has it been the case many times uh, however, in a lot of Canadian cities? But the uh, the most uh, definitive thing that Toronto got from that is the uh, Marisa Du uh, Memorial Grass, which is now... <laughs> the grass on. pitch. Yeah, they, they literally, that's what they used the money they got from the Marisa Du sale to put grass into the stadium. Um, so it's that type of stuff. Uh, TFC could use it to improve their... So are you saying that the Defoe will pay for the expansions of BMO so our, the Argonauts could play there? Uh, it might. Uh, another <laughs> less... I'm sorry. And, well, it might. Uh, another less cynical uh, interpretation is that there is uh, some talk that we've reported before on this show that uh, TFC is looking to build a small three to 5,000-seat stadium that the uh, Toronto will play at. Uh, so, A.K.A. a practice, a practice uh, facility at the same time, I guess? Yeah, they, they would build something up like that nice on the in the northwest side of the city there has been talk about that for uh, a little bit in the circles and i suspect that maybe uh, that might be the perfect use for uh the jermaine defoe memorial uh usl pro uh, stadium might get built so uh that that's my speculation there we don't exactly know yet we won't know for a while but uh that's what it is um it would make sense it would make sense in terms of the deal i mean we talked a bit about it today in the regular podcast uh we have doubts about josie um, I think Kristen mentioned some of them. He's a little bit yeah. more positive than I think most people are about him, and he's watched him a little closely. If you look at the reaction... Well, was it one goal in 18 months, you said? Yeah, something like that, yeah. He hasn't scored, and he hasn't played. <laughs> and yeah. it, it's a problem for a striker. That's what they're there to do. Uh, but one thing we mentioned on the earlier show today was that he did play well during that time with the U.S. national team. So it might not mean anything. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's some other... Uh, noise coming out here which i'm looking at right now which they're saying that he may have to actually go through the uh allocation order uh, i think that's probably a formality if that's the case uh however that that's getting out there right now we'll we'll continue to follow that um look i as i said today my article title josie altator i have no idea stands it's it, it might work he has scored in mls before uh certainly uh, as Kristen said he has improved as a player since he left here the league has improved as well but uh but at this point in time if this is what the deal is then we need to um then we need to just move forward from it uh i think the other important side of this kevin is uh, what uh you know addition by subtraction right yep the the straight cat has left the guy who didn't want to be here isn't here yeah it's a bit sad, and I think any TFC fan or even MLS fan on some level, even if you hate TFC, even if you like to make fun of TFC, yep. uh, you have to have some level of sadness that, that that he didn't come over and perform to his fullest for as long as he could because he clearly had the talent to really excel in this league and to, to really add something to the league. We saw it in the brief appearance in the first half of last year when Jermaine Defoe was was playing in a, in a way that uh, that, that you know made people stand up out of their seats. So it is a loss to the league to not have him uh, in it anymore. It certainly is a loss to TFC. Um, and it's, it's a loss. We, who are we going to make fun of now, Dwayne? Who, who are we going to... It's not going to be as bloody fun to make fun of them as now anymore. Well, you never know. TFC can reinvent things quickly. Don't you worry. Uh, look, 
as I said as well today, this isn't their biggest need. Uh, this doesn't solve their all of their problems. I am not one who thinks their problems are as big as others do. However, I clearly recognize that they need to upgrade other areas of the team as well. There is talk. There was talk in the TSN story of bringing in players. Um, I don't like to get too much into the uh, the rabbit hole of the, t- the transfer rumors. You can see them out there if you want to find them. Uh, certainly, they need they need a ten. They need uh, like an Italian player. Certain yeah. Italian player that uh, and maybe, is rumored now to go to Toronto. Maybe wears black and white stripes and doesn't play for Udinese. Yes, that that and might is be. not coming to Montreal. Yeah, we didn't hear his name in Montreal. Usually, when it's Italian, you know what happens. You know? That 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 is all the things that we're referring to. Um, there's also a Spanish player that uh, is in in uh, La Liga Two right now. Uh, I don't think it's called La Liga Two, is it? I forget what it's called over there. But at any rate, uh, that they might become. There's a lot of rumors out there, and they need those rumors to come through. They need at least one more center half. They need at least. Well, they don't need at least. They need a number 10 in there that can truly uh, let Michael Bradley play the role that he's best at and uh, and get the service to the forwards up there because we're going to need uh, – you know, if he's not getting service in uh, Sunderland, he's certainly not going to get service with last year's TFC. So there you go. <laughs> and we're still waiting. Eventually, there was rumors a couple of weeks ago in Montreal, eventually two DPs. Still waiting for it. Uh, Kevin, let me ask you a question. We're talking about DPs in, uh, in Montreal. Um, how do you say bloody big deal in French? Yeah, that's a good question. A grosse affaire. There you go. Do you, you think you're going to get that? No, I don't. <laughs> do, do you want that? I don't know. No, if, uh, no, I don't want that. I don't know if a double decker bus would really play in Montreal. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily maybe the, a, uh, more a Fiat. Yeah, like a, small, <laughs> a, little, a small Italian car than anything else. Oh, I love the little Fiats. They're, they're great. I love those little cars. Anyhow, um, all right, let's take a quick break. We're going to talk real briefly, since we're here anyway, about some uh, World Cup qualifying news that came out today that was uh, good news for once for Canada, and then we'll, we'll wrap up our, our uh, podcast of the uh, – I'm not going to make the bloody big jokes anymore. Ah, it's a lie. I probably will. I, they're just so easy. Thanks for listening to the Two Solitude Sucker Podcast with Kevin Laramie and Dwayne Rollins. You can reach the guys on Twitter at 24th Minute and at Kevin Laramie. Or both of them at Two Solitudes Pod. Reach the guys on email, Two Solitudes Podcast at gmail.com. But especially subscribe on Stitcher Radio. Now back to the show. And we're back. Um, yeah, there will be lots to, to digest on this story moving forward. Real quickly, since we're here anyway, Kevin, I thought that just before this broke tonight, actually, there was a, a, some, some information came out about CONCACAF a World Cup qualifying. We knew that it was going to start, and we actually talked about it on, on the main show today. Um, we knew it was going to start for Canada in June, a little bit earlier in March for, uh, for the smaller countries. What we said in the podcast today was that there were a couple trap teams in there for, for potential trap teams for Canada. El Salvador was the team we mentioned Not in the – uh, yeah, in the round after uh, Haiti and uh, Jamaica were all involved. But uh, they've seeded them, Kevin. And Canada is seeded into its own pot. It is pot D all by itself. And, we're uh, special. We're we special. Are. Oh, aren't we? Um, <laughs> but uh, the thing about pot D is it is in the bottom half of the draw. If you look at the draw carefully, and it's a little complicated to, to follow. There's a lot of numbers and things like that. But uh, the bottom line is that there isn't before the fourth round, which is what the semifinal round used to be called, uh, so the round that Canada lost 8-1 in, um, before that round, there is not a single team that is ranked above them or even close to them really in talent-wise that they have to get through. The St. Vincent's and the Grenadines, uh, who Canada played a couple cycles ago and handled quite easily, uh, they are the, the highest-ranked team uh, that they would need to get through. 
Um, you know, there's there's some other Puerto Rico might be a, a draw that they might get that might be a little bit tricky. But by and large, there is really no uh, team that's going to jump up and make you scared for Canada in that draw. Uh, we're going to find out on Friday what the exact draw is. I believe we're even going to find out which of the pot A teams would be in our semifinal group. That's uh, the one other thing you take from this is that Canada is going to have one of, um, if they make the semifinals, and they should, one of the U.S., Mexico, or Costa Rica in that final stage along with uh, a team that qualifies through um, lesser teams. It might be a Jamaica or something like that. So it's going to be another group of death pretty much because uh, if you consider Canada has any quality, that is, <laughs> uh, it will be a tough group to get through. But uh, we always knew that in the semifinals was always sort of the stage that was the bare minimum that uh, Canada needed to get to. And uh, I think that the way they have designed this qualifying for once, there is a little bit of um, – a little bit of credit for past glory has been given to Canada in this. Uh, they are have escaped the potential uh, embarrassment of uh, going out before they even get into a group stage, and that is really good news. No, it, it's a shot because the way the qualifications are made now, the first three rounds are home and away series, and you don't want to get, like you said, a tricky team in there and just get booted out and because of one bad game. Yeah, you think- the, the risk is there this year. Yeah, you think about it. You go down, you're playing El Salvador. You go down and play in a crappy field. Uh, you lose a one or six one or six zero. You lose two one, and then you get home and you get get the post five times. I mean, that stuff yeah. can happen, and and you're out like that. But when you're playing a team like I don't know, like the British Virgin Eddie Islands, or, yeah. yeah, you're playing semi-pro players. Regardless of as many jokes as you want to make, the 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 quality and the professionals with Canada's lineup should be able to handle those oh, yeah. teams fairly easily. So uh, that is good news. Uh, that is uh, a news that was a relief for me to see anyway. Also a relief, Kevin. No more Jermaine Defoe apparently. So um, I think on that note, uh, not much more to say tonight. We will break this down further as the days go on. We'll see if there's any surprises out there, and there usually are because well, we're talking about TFC here. And until Thursday for our live draft show have a great soccer <laughs>